whom God hears our prayers. So we have the privilege of joining together to pray and to seek God through His Word and expect more and more, as we've been hearing, more. The operative word in some of the prayers I'm hearing is more. It's exactly what God is about, always giving us more. Number one, because He's able to. Number two, because He loves us enough to follow through. What He's promised, blessed be the rock. One of you, please go ahead, brother, sister. Proverbs 20, 1 through 15, and then someone else, 16 through 30. And I would say, if you can please make sure your connection is clear. And then extra slow, if you will, please, extra slow, loudly and clearly, so we can follow along. Wine is a mocker and strong drink. Strong drink is a brawler. This is the New King James Version. And whom, whoever is led astray by it is not wise. The wrath of a king is like the roaring of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger sins against his own life. It is honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel. The lazy man will not plow because of winter. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. Counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? The righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. A king who sits on the throne of judgment scatters all evil with his eyes. Who can say, I have made my heart clean, I am pure from my sin? Diverse weights and diverse measures, they are both alike an abomination to the Lord. <clears throat> Even a child is known by his deeds, whether what he does is pure and right. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. Do not love sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you'll be satisfied with bread. It's good for nothing, cries the buyer. But when he's gone his way, then he boasts. There is gold and a multitude of rubies, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. NLT version, verse 16. Get security from someone who guarantees a stranger's debt. Get a deposit if he does it 
for foreigners. Stolen bread tastes sweet, but it turns to gravel in the mouth. Plants succeed through good counsel. Don't go to war without wise advice. A gossip goes around telling secrets. So don't hang around with chatterers. If you insult your father or mother, your light will be snuffed out in total darkness. An inheritance obtained too early in life is not a blessing in the end. Don't say, I will get even for this wrong. Wait for the Lord to handle the matter. The Lord detests double standards. He is not pleased by dishonest scales. The Lord directs our steps. So why try to understand everything along the way? Don't trap yourself by making a rash promise to God and only later counting the cost. A wise king scatters the wicked like wheat, then runs his threshing wheel over them. The Lord's light penetrates the human spirit, exposing every hidden motive. Unfailing love and faithfulness protect the king. His throne is made secure through love. The glory of the young is their strength. The gray hair of experience is the splendor of the old. Physical punishment cleanses away evil. Such discipline purifies the heart. Praise God. Proverbs 20, NLT. Wine produces markers. Alcohol leads to brawls. Those led astray by drink cannot be wise. The king's fury is like a lion's roar. To rouse his anger is to risk your life. Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. Those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food at the harvest. Though good advice lies deep within the heart, a person with understanding will draw it out. Many will say, They are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? The godly work with integrity blessed are the children who follow them. When a king sits in judgment, he weighs all the evidence, distinguishing the bad from the good. Who can say, I have cleansed my heart, I am pure, 
and free from sin, false weight and unequal measures, the Lord detects double standards of every kind. Even children are known by the way they act, whether their conduct is pure and whether it is right. Ears to hear and eyes to see, both are gifts from the Lord. If you love sleep, you will end in poverty. Keep your eyes open and there will be plenty to eat. The buyer haggles over the price, saying it is worthless, then brags about getting a bargain. Wise words are more valuable than much gold and many rubies. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 20, verse 16 onwards in New King James Version. Take the garment of one who is surety for a stranger and hold it as a pledge when it is for a seductress. Bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be filled with gravel. Plans are established by counsel. By wise counsel, wage war. He who goes about as a tale-bearer reveals secrets. Therefore do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. Whoever curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in deep darkness. An inheritance gained hastily at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. Do not say, I will recompense evil. Wait for the Lord and He will save you. Diverse weights are an abomination to the Lord and dishonest scales are not good. A man's steps are of the Lord. How then can a man understand his own way? It is a snare for a man to devote rashly something as holy and afterward to reconsider his vows. A wise king sifts out the wicked and brings the threshing wheel over them. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Mercy and truth preserve the king, and by loving kindness he upholds his throne. The glory of young men is their strength, and the splendor of old men is their gray head. Blows that hurt cleanse away evil, as do stripes with the inner depths of the heart. Praise the Lord. We've heard the word now a few times. And we see certain features that the Lord is repeatedly brought to attention in the book of Proverbs. They serve as cautions to everyone. We ought to know, we ought to understand, we ought to be joyful that everything the Lord ever says to us 
when our desire is to seek Him, is to make us better. Is always to make us better, to give us more of Himself that corresponds with the surrender of our hearts to the Lord. For example, when the Lord speaks about gossip, when He tells us in Proverbs 20, verse 19, in the King James Version, it says the talebearer. The Hebrew word for that, rakio, which is having to do with scandalous and slander, or as the word may readily be uh, understood, tale bearer, one who bears tales, stories. But it has the connotation of slander, gossip, tale bearing can be defined as also unrestrained talk about someone often without the confirmation of the truth or a lie without knowing whether the information is valid a person who is used to speaking and finds it important for their own self-advancement in the eyes of others, promotion, their own worth. It's unfortunately derived from seeking the bad in other people and speaking bad about others. It would be very interesting to do an exercise as godly men and women, those who qualify for such a term. Not every Christian is godly. That can appear as a contradiction. But we mentioned the other day from the scriptures themselves that Paul the Apostle said to the Corinthians at a certain point, he said, I can't talk to you, Corinthians, believers, as spiritual, but I can only speak to you as carnal. You and I read that. I read that and I wonder, what does he mean, carnal and spiritual? And he said, well, where there is strife and envying, Aren't you carnal? When you're fighting and you're jealous of one another, aren't you carnal? He said, I've given you milk and that's all you can take. We alluded to Hebrews the other day. Where the Spirit of God records how we can move from the baby stage to the adolescent stage, if you will, the mature stage of being a godly man or godly woman. These things are very clearly laid out in Scripture. And as we pour over the Scriptures and we say, Lord, I can see myself very clearly here. The more I draw near to you, I can see that I'm maturing or I'm still immature or not maturing at the rate I should be. 
We take an automobile for a checkup, essentially, to the mechanic. We want to know if all the systems are functioning normally, whether the car is roadworthy. We go to the physician for our own bodily health, physical health. We want to know whether we are going to last, whether things are functioning like they should, or are there symptoms and disorders and things going wrong that prevent me from living life to the full, or there's a danger of my life being cut short. We understand these things from a car to a body very lucidly, very clearly. When it comes to the human soul, God says he's more concerned about that than anything else. And it would make sense then that God would prescribe the diagnosis and the prognosis, the exact treatment that we need to get from point A to point B. Because he desires maturity. As we often say in the meetings, babies are wonderful, they're adorable. I just remarked to someone yesterday, I believe, after church, seeing an infant, I said, I love babies. Ever since I was a child, I love babies, little little infants. And when the Lord blessed Pascurba and I with one, it was such a delight, and two, and three, and four, and five, each one so unique, and the stages of appreciating and being grateful to God for the human development and the the beauty of it and the nurture that's required for that innocent, helpless human being at the baby stage. And yet everyone's attracted to that baby because of how God made the child so soft and so wonderfully fashioned. But as we often say, as the scriptures say themselves, in malice we ought to be children, but not in knowledge, not in love, not in spiritual maturity. When God gives the Proverbs, it brings out certain things such as gossip. When we see strife and envying, we can know that gossip won't be too far away from that because that seems to be the fuel sometimes for arguments and people getting upset at other people without even knowing the facts then jealousy this word gossip has to do with some negativity usually something that makes another person or a group of people look bad. And the thrill of gossipers, inspired by the devil, is to propagate and continue, perpetuate that slanderous tone and bent of the conversation about details that often they don't even know are true. But the fire is lit. The fuel is continually supplied. The Lord says you have to stop that. Is it possible for a Christian to gossip? Is it possible for a Christian to act like the devil whose name, one of his names means slander, accuser? We can do whatever we want, actually. As believers, we can do whatever we want. 
We're not supposed to do whatever we'd like as per the carnal part, the fleshly part, that can be revived if we want. But God says, no, crucify that part and have the desires of the Holy Spirit. Do what's right. It may not be easy for one who's used to gossiping and used to hearing gossip even among Christian circles. It's always best to raise a red flag and stop oneself even from hearing and interject with a comment tactfully to stop the spread of a rumor, a hearsay, something quote-unquote juicy about someone else. It's good for us as believers to stop it. Not only from not speaking it, but from hearing it. Without necessarily offending the person who may be doing it, maybe without even realizing it because they're so used to it. But sometimes we have to step up and say, I really would rather not hear that because I wonder if it's confirmed. And secondly, remember, dear brother and sister, that we ought to we ought to encourage one another and speak things that are edifying. Now, we may think of some example where someone's story is told and there's a lot of negative things there. But you see the parties involved are caring for that person's soul and genuinely motivated by having all the information so as to be able to help them in the right way. So the content of the conversation as well as the motivation matters to God. The Spirit of God searches the person's soul, the person's heart. A lamp to check the inmost parts of our hearts. And the more the light of God comes, through the word of God, the more we are followed by this word and continually reminded that some things need to change. And gossip can be a difficult thing to self-diagnose because we can have a reason for everything. And as the scriptures say, we just read that a person can seem pure in his own eyes. A person can seem to be right. The other chapters we read in Proverbs so far allude to that. But just when a human being justifies himself or herself, another person comes in, does an assessment that may be very different. It's natural for us to self-justify. But it's supernatural to humble oneself and say, Lord, you check me and see if there be any wicked way in me. Because we want to be better. We want to be filled more with God. The Lord speaks about gossip, slander, something that a Christian should not have. At what point does it go into gossip when I'm speaking about someone truthfully even when there's negative things involved, at that point we may have to look at the motivation. 
Is it truly that I'm trying to protect the person as best I could while disclosing the things I need to for their protection? Meaning to protect their reputation, their dignity as a human being, at the same time not holding any information back that needs to be heard, no matter how negative it is, so they can get help. Because the opposite of that is speaking lies. Many, many parents do that with their children to cover up the child's naughtiness or the teenager's naughtiness, the evil that the children are doing, the defiance. Many of them will say, my child is an angel. As we read, not only in Proverbs 20, Proverbs 21, 2, we'll read later, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. And in chapter 20, even a child is known. Even the child is known by his behavior, his actions. Proverbs 20, verse 11. Whether his work be pure or whether it be right. Since when do we judge a child? I mean, they hardly know anything. They're just being children. But God says, no. Even a child. We can observe a child as early as kindergarten or even earlier, having a particular bent that is quite greedy and selfish, whereas another child may be very giving and forgiving. The Lord says you can see the behavior, now don't ignore it. Be careful, because as the old saying goes in some cultures, if you don't nip it in the bud now, You're going to have a garden full of weeds and thorns later. You have to discipline your child. Don't spare for the crying and whining. In no way do we advocate any kind of child abuse or heavy hand or discipline out of sheer anger. But out of love, when discipline is administered out of love because we know the child's direction is not going good, lies are becoming casual now. The blame game and hiding things. God reveals those things and even much more than an adult, hiding iniquity. Knowing that God is watching and yet having the presumption to continue because human beings can't catch me. How many people we see in the news? They thought they can get away with things. Never had the fear of God to say, I've got to stop this and I have to take whatever steps I can. And if one remedy doesn't work and if it's not thoroughly effective, I need to step it up until evil is gone. The Bible speaks of, by the blueness of the wounds, the belly is cleansed. By the blueness of the wounds. How very colorful and such a 
amazing imagery God brings out. When the wound is effective, we think in a negative sense, there's blueness. The blood loses the oxygen and things can happen. The color changes underneath the skin. And yet the Lord says, when the discipline, hopefully self-discipline, as Paul says, I beat my body and bring it under subjection. Lest after having preached to others, I myself should become a castaway. When we deal with ourselves in the manner that we should so that our souls can be clear of sin, then we know that we've done enough. But it's possible, as I mentioned the word struggle recently, that a person can also say, I'm trying. We've heard teachers and parents say to the child that is lazy, the child that is half-hearted in his or her attempts to accomplish a task that everyone knows that he or she is capable of doing. But the child laments and says, I'm trying can't you give me some credit? I wonder how many people say that to God. Recently I heard someone say that to someone else who was counseling that person. Can you show me some grace? And it was coming from a person who was rebelling against every counsel that God's giving. It was a blame game and it was a turning the tables on the person who's actually trying to help and the accusation is I need to feel some love and I need to be shown some grace I'm trying how hard are you trying well I'm still on social media I'm still in connection with people who do drugs and can drag me down as they did many times recently but I have Christian friends too and you know, by you telling me that I need to separate from the crowd that is going to drag me down, separate myself from social media if I need to, because it's giving me a false high and false security. Separate myself from devices and movies. And Can you show me some grace? My goodness, what do you want me to become? Some kind of monk somewhere? This is hard. The punishment doesn't fit the crime. You might as well tell me to stop being a human being. Paul didn't think so. When he met the Lord, he was away in the Arabian desert for a number of years. Absolutely in heavenly bliss. Learning of the Lord God intimately. He was a very social person. He was a lawyer. Jewish law he was becoming well known for his zeal he left everything so that his soul can prosper mind you Paul was not in any blatant presumptuous sin he did it in ignorance when he went and persecuted the Christians he thought they're defecting from the truth so I'm going to go after them and cleanse the land of these cultic people as he thought until he met the Lord Jesus and found out 
the Jewish law has been abolished in all its ceremonial requirements. The blood of Jesus has satisfied the requirement. Now, I want to press in, press on to know my God and live a life that is fruitful for the rest of my days. How much more is the separation necessary for those who are walking, gossiping and slandering and abusing themselves? God wants more for us, better for us. That's the good news this morning. God is looking not to keep us from enjoying life or being human. As that person sounded like he or she was charging the other party who was counseling from a godly perspective. Basically saying, leave me alone. I can take care of myself. I have God. And this was what the person said. I have God. I pray. I know what to do. So don't tell me to not do this and not do that. We've been reading past few days when we have the morning call from Proverbs 19, verse 27, the instruction of a father saying, Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge. Don't go after counsel. Don't accept counsel. What's going to happen to you? You're going to be in the dark. But if you listen to godly counsel, you'll be safe. There's no fear in love. It's written in the epistles of John, epistle of John. There's no fear in love, and this is how he follows that up with, by the Spirit of God, because fear has to do with punishment, with torment. And whoever fears is not made perfect in love. So it shows us that God wants us to experience his love, have a clear communication between us. He wants us to grow beautifully from the baby stage to the toddler stage to the young child stage, adolescence, full manhood or womanhood, godly, mature. And the Proverbs are here to chisel away things that are excess. A good thing, too much of it can be harmful. It's not simply the bad things, such as in Ephesians 5.3, and four, fornication, uncleanness, greediness, foolish talking, filthiness, jesting, and all these things. Things that are negative and have no place in a Christian's life. God says you have to work at it if you have a problem with it. Come to me, I'll help you, because you can't go forward with these things. But then there are good things. A person may be reading the Bible and say, I'm in love with the Bible. Read the Bible all day long. 
not go to school, not go to work, not take care of the children. I love the Bible. It's a good thing. It's the best thing. You can't get too much of it, but it's too much of it at that particular time. Unless the Lord puts it in someone's heart that I'm going to take time off, not ignore the responsibilities, make sure it's being taken care of. But we understand the point. Milk can be wonderful for the bones, calcium and all the other things, but too much of it can bloat your stomach and give all kinds of reactions that you wish you never had milk in the first place. Too much food can cause such a bellyache. I wonder if anyone's ever been in that predicament, especially on some holiday celebration time. Overeating and such pain in the belly. And if somebody should offer the most delicious extra helping of something the person just craved a few minutes before, they feel it's a punishment because of so much pain from overeating. God gives us wisdom through the Proverbs to chisel away not only the bad things, the abscess, but also the excess. It's easy to hear a verse about tail-bearing and immediately to say, that's not me, let's go to the next verse, please. Because there are at least two issues involved here. One is being the propagator of the gossip and the other entertaining gossip hearing it. Both are sinful. In so much as the Bible says, in the multitude of words, sin won't be lacking. It'll be there somewhere. So it's better to refrain and cut down the words. So entertaining gossip is harmful also. Not only speaking gossip. So if we understand it correctly, gossip has a negative connotation where information is being rehearsed and relayed, passed on, where the facts are not straight or straightened out or understood. The validity is not there, but it's hearsay but it's so juicy that it makes through the news media and through the mouths of people. It would be good for us to check ourselves, our emotional state, when we hear something that is so thrilling or so shocking. We just have got to pass that on to someone else without checking the facts, or understanding whether it's going to be edifying, first of all. All of that is a non-issue for the gossiper. I've got to get this juicy information to someone else's ears. We may have to check ourselves this morning and say, do I gossip in 
am I one who hears gossip? Is there a negative tone to the point of slandering and putting down someone and the motivation seems to be wrong and if it's our own human hearts we can know from the Spirit of God and the light of God's Word our own conscience why are you saying this about someone else? If the motivation is godly even this negative thing is being said because of love. I want to warn somebody else. I want to make sure that person gets help. Is it so? The ultimate question is always, is it true when I say that I'm pure in my motivation? Every man's way is pure in his own eyes, but his neighbor comes and finds him out. Every man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth. He considers the heart. He checks it. Our great glory as believers is to always say, Lord, you can check me anytime. Because, Lord, you know that my life is all about you. I have been open now, Lord, for some time for you to take that chisel that hammer Holy Spirit to take away not only that which is bad not only the excess but the abscess not only the abscess but the excess not only that which is filled with that putrid pus, unclean thoughts and unclean videos and conversations and unclean books, all that the world glamorizes and sells. I become militant against immorality. No part of it. Kill it immediately. That abscess has to go. It'll destroy the whole body, the whole person. But the excess, even in a conversation that may start out well, we can pick up, I, we mentioned this the other day, when the direction is starting to turn, the tide is turning. It's beginning to go in a, in a direction that is not honoring to God. And I have to excuse myself, step up to actually say something or directly Why? Because God says you have to guard your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence. How do you do that? By making sure nothing gets to it that is harmful for the soul. I have to have the ear gate, eye gate, mouth gate secure before God so that only God's righteousness is allowed It's a wonderful thing to say, Lord, I want a deeper work in me. It can be a generic cry for many people, a cliche. Take me deeper, take me higher, take me farther, draw me nearer. Many things can become cliche. 
They can just lose their value. People can talk about glory and holy. They can talk about awesome, the presence. But the essential question is, do I really fear God? And the Proverbs will bring us back to that over and over again. How do you know you fear God? His commandment is what I live for. First thing in the morning, throughout the day, when I retire at night, my meditation is on the commandments of God, His Word. Not only the narrative of the stories, teaching the principles and God's interactions, but the expressed commandments of God. They ought to be my delight. No wonder people don't prosper in their souls. Have you ever looked at yourself, as I have, and wondered why certain times there is no prosperity in the soul? Even though religious activities were abounding, because the premium was not placed on the commandments of God to rehearse them in my mind, to meditate, lie down, go to sleep thinking about those things having to do with God. After all, He's our life. The Proverbs say the commandment is life. Chapter 20 of Proverbs begins with drink and we've spoken much about that so we won't go back into that but it's quite straightforward wine produces mockers alcohol leads to brawls those led astray by drink cannot be wise the king's fury is like a lion's roar to rouse his anger is to risk your life it shows not only by observation about a ruler especially one like a king but any authority that we must approach, there's a certain amount of respect and a certain approach that is wise. We don't want to get the person angry because as we would have well experienced, most of us, if not all of us, certain times when we cross the line thinking that we can go and maybe show who we are in front of the authority, that things turn sour for us. We read this and we think immediately, Matthew eleven twenty nine to 30. How the Lord, our Savior, is humble. When was the last time we were humble? Before God and before man? And we need to correct ourselves. Some people may say, I'm constantly getting into trouble by my mouth. Or, I may not say things, but in my heart, pride keeps coming up, and I get angry, and I get... That person may be repenting all the time, and someone may say, you know, it's, what's the use of you repenting? You keep doing the same thing again and again. But it's far better to do that than not to repent if the person is getting closer to God, less frequency in those outbursts, and as we mentioned, the outbursts may not be visible at first, but like a smoldering volcano. Things are happening inside. We know it. One of the best things we can ever do in our lives is to say, it doesn't matter to me too much what people see about me as much as what I see within me. Hallelujah. Because then I can come to God honestly and say, Lord, I know I have problems. Lord, I've been gossiping so many times. 
I don't even know if I've ever asked forgiveness from God for gossiping before. Now that I understand what it is, how many times have I gossiped? Oh, Lord, I don't want to have any part with it anymore. Forgive me. That's a glorious day in heaven. Rejoicing for genuine repentance. Those who think, well, I don't watch these lewd things and I'm not part of the conversation in the office when people are talking about this one cheating on that and that one, but maybe when I'm checking the store circulars, I start daydreaming. Maybe when I'm on a bus or even working, I start daydreaming about someone that doesn't belong to me, not my spouse. See the subtle ways in which the enemy can just make an inroad. And if we are not honest, that little weed can choke the word altogether. We can end up in a far place away from our Heavenly Father's house. We may say, well, I lied. I know I lied, but you understand the circumstance, don't you? If I didn't lie, then I would have lost this or that, but was it a lie? I didn't mean to hurt anybody, but I had to save my skin. But was it a lie? I take it to the Lord and I say, Lord, these things have to go. I don't want to say a lie. I don't want to live a lie. I don't want pretense. And how long will I live to please other people? Why am I afraid of what people think about me? And why do I have to please people? The only reason we should please people, according to the scriptures, is for their edification. But to live to derive my worth from what people think about me, my hair, my clothing, my complexion, my talk, my charm, my abilities. You should really take it with a grain of salt, except to say, Father, I thank you. Whatever good is being seen in me or whatever gift or talent or endowment, I know it's from you. I have no ownership of it as if I produced it. I give all the glory to you. I'm not going to make a big deal about it when people speak about it because that's just not right. The Bible says, what do you have that you haven't received? The total freedom God wants for us is sometimes hard to come by in certain areas. Isn't that the truth? We don't all jump in to Christianity and have all the meters on perfect level. Everything's solved instantly. We do start out from that perfect seat of God with every potential to grow up into that. But some things take more work for some than others. One person may be very, very kind and very pleasant to talk to. Hardly can see them get angry. Maybe never see them ever get angry. That's a rare person. But there are such people. And yet they may be struggling with that kindness and that ability to mingle with people, be very friendly and amiable and very forbearing, so kind and so nice, have an inward struggle with immorality. 
Another person may have no struggle with immorality, but they have a quick temper. The pride just keeps kicking up. We come to the Lord. Say, Lord, I see there's a pretty long route here. I really want everything out, oh Lord. And God gives us the word of God to chisel away by the Spirit of God. It's good to know oneself because then we can get the help we need. The Word of God does that. But aside from the negative, to chisel away that which is an abscess and that which is an excess, the positive side is a beautiful growth in the human soul to be more meek and gentle, positive traits, more forbearing. It's to the glory of an individual to overlook a transgression. All of a sudden, things are changing. The things that I used to hold people accountable for and really not let go, hold them in debt, I'm able to let it go. Hallelujah. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And maybe if somebody was lazy and they didn't like when other people said you're lazy or alluded to that in some way. But now they see, you know what? I am lazy and I admit it. And Lord, I don't need people to tell me. And if they do, I'm not going to refuse it. But I really want to get rid of this laziness. And maybe there are people who congratulate me for being such a hard worker. But I know in certain areas I am lazy. Maybe in my spiritual duties, oh Lord. What a wonderful thing to come to a Father who loves us. And He knows everything about us from A to Z. We don't have to tell him. But when we agree with him and we say, Father, help me. Lord, I don't want to be a mess. I don't want to have parts that are broken and not working right in my spiritual life. I want the whole thing to be a well-oiled machine, Lord. Wonderful. That delights God's heart because that's the wise child. It doesn't come and say, well, you know, Lord, I'm good in this area and that, you know... First of all, thank you, Lord, that I am what I am by the grace of God. And Father, I know that there's some things that I need to work on. Speak to me, Lord, through the Proverbs. Do I approach a king or person in authority with arrogance? Do I get uptight and I, I can walk out on anybody when I get upset? At the moment, in the heat of it, we may say, well, yes. I justify myself because of this, that, and the other thing, but we know. That's not the way. It may take some more work for some than others, but we have to get to work. We have to say, Lord, help me. I need more of your word concerning this issue, and I don't want this anymore. It's ugly. It keeps coming up. Sometimes I can go weeks at a time, one may say. Weeks at a time with a just a peaceful disposition and a forgiving attitude, and all of a sudden, like a bomb, it goes off. The temper. I, I, I don't want any of it anymore. I may be working hard and all of a sudden become a spiritually complacent like King David one day and send off everybody else to battle and I'm not going to fight today. I'm going to take it easy. Maybe pull up that easy chair on the roof and see something you shouldn't have seen. And one thing led to another. Horrible bloodshed. And 
incestuous things happen in this generation. No wonder God says again and again, not only the Old Testament, but the New Testament, be very careful how you walk. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It is God who works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure, but you've got to do your part. Then result is a rich harvest that I have no regrets. Is it possible to come to the end of one's life knowing that I've spent quite a bit of time doing what God hates? Yes, I have. I've been very selfish and greedy, and always about me and putting down others and making others look bad so I can make myself look good. And Oh, what a record. King David cries out more than once, Lord, forgive the transgressions of my younger days. Please put it away, Lord. Lord, if you should mark iniquities, who shall stand before you? But this forgiveness would be, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's possible to have all of that washed away because not only when I came to the cross one day, one fine day by the grace of Almighty God, that I said, Lord, would you take all my burdens, Lord, all my sins, all the offenses that I offended you with, Lord, my heinous crimes, Lord, would you take it upon yourself on the cross? And in exchange, give me a righteousness, O oh Lord. I receive it. But with the righteousness, it has to be appropriated in every area of my life. And hence, the work of sanctification commences at the cross. At the cross, where I first saw the light. The burden of my soul is rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. Now I'm happy all the day. The burden of my sin rolled away. Now I'm happy all the day. But there's a work involved where the things that are remaining, God begins to move us so that we can continue. Continue to grow and progress in it. The measure to which we are godly is the measure or degree of proportion to which God can use us. So the prospect is not only the prospect is not only I need to get rid of this and that and get better at this so I can be a good Christian. The dividends and the harvest that'll come out of it is that many souls we bless along with ourselves. There's not a one person who gets closer to Jesus Christ who does not become gloriously useful in the hands of the Lord, to be a bright light to bring others out of darkness. Who? Not only unbelievers, but many, many so-called Christians who are in the dark because they're gossipers. They're carnal, strife and envying. And here you come along, not condemning, looking down, but feeling deeply because you knew. You know that you used to be just like that. God came along with the truth, with the anointing, with the Spirit of God to lift you out of that mess that you thought you could be justified in. But God showed otherwise and you're out. You're able to come with compassion like Jesus to other brothers and sisters who are drowning in a cesspool of dead works. Oh, and nobody has the courage to tell them, not even the pastor, the leaders. Everybody goes along with a disease called carnality and a great crippling effect on the church. 
The Lord is not pleased, he's grieved. But when we are looking at our own self properly, in the light of God's word, healing happens. How? God says, I'm going to heal you of your backsliding. What a beautiful word in the Bible. God says, I will heal you of your backsliding. Somebody said, I thought God's healing had to do with only physical disease and maybe mental affliction and emotional wounds. You mean he can heal my backsliding? Hallelujah. All the works of the flesh, the resentment and the anger that occurs still in the home. The sight of someone that makes me angry and it happens to be my blood relation. How? What happened? Satan is coming. I know it's not right, but so long as I let it continue and look to other things, it'll continue. But I see God can heal me, Lord. I don't want to keep slipping down again and again. No more gossip, no more strife, no more envying, no more immorality, no more flirting, no more pride and self-pleasing or man-pleasing. Glorious liberation. A revelation and a liberation. Till every one of us become the exact part that is supposed to fit perfectly in the body of Christ. And the whole kingdom moves forward. The kingdom of God. And people that were actually maybe moments and steps away from going to a Christless eternity, right into hell, because of your obedience to God with matters regarding your own sanctification, rejecting the works of the flesh, the dead works, embracing the fruit of the Spirit, and saying, Lord, I'm working on it by your grace. I'm flourishing. Oh, hallelujah. I thought it would never be possible. Here I am. Walking with Jesus in the light as he's in the light. Because of that, when you are led by the Spirit of God to speak to someone, you may well have prevented them not only from physically dying, but from going to hell. Just moments of going to hell. Just in the nick of time, God found you because you're obedient to God. Truly available. Availability to work for God and to do things for God in the kingdom is not a matter of me allotting my time or giving up this or that financially or career-wise. There's a much deeper issue involved. What God is looking for, first and foremost, is giving up carnality, sin. That's the availability God is looking for, first and foremost. Everything else will follow. Once that's there, A total surrender. Total salvation can happen. For many people through you. Proverbs speaks of wisdom. The fear of the Lord. It speaks of the conduct even of a child. Don't let anyone fool you. To say that, oh, I don't know how that person is. I can't judge his heart or her heart. In some cases, perhaps, because they put on a pretty good show. However, the majority of cases guaranteed, just like a little child. Do we dare say, 
I don't know that little child's heart. Oh, he took that toy truck and hit the little girl over the head with it. I don't know if he's bad or good. You know what? I think he's got a good heart. That same little fellow, he went and stole a couple of candy bars from the store when Mom was looking the other way. Not looking the other way intentionally. Oh, what a good child. he got a great heart. I mean, little rough edges here and there, but really a good child. Sitting in the back of the classroom, crumpling up paper, paper balls, throwing it at the teacher's desk and other students. A good child. Sticking gum on the seats of the other kids. I don't know his heart. That's not what the Bible says. Proverbs 20, verse 11. Even children are known by the way they act, whether their conduct is pure and whether it is right. What is that to say? You know the nature of that child. How much more for an adult? Are we justified in saying, well, I don't want to judge, and I can't judge. Jesus said a tree is known by its fruit. Sometimes we need to hear these things over and over and over and over again. When will that pastor stop speaking those things? Can we move on to something else? Always the good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and the bad tree cannot bear good fruit. You know why? Because... We've been told that a good tree can bear bad fruit and a bad tree can bear good fruit. Exactly opposite to what the Lord Jesus himself said. We've been told it so long that we've been brainwashed that we just feel it to be no big deal. In fact, it's honorable to jump on the bandwagon when somebody says, you can't judge a heart. I don't know how his heart is. What did he do yesterday? Oh, he was with someone that didn't belong to him. What did she do? She went and she smoked pot. What did he do the other day? He swindled his fellow man out of some money. He's got a great heart. Boy, when I saw him work in Starbucks... He won the contest, I mean, serving up the best coffee. And he cleans his area so well, I mean, it's spotless. He's, he's a beautiful person. The other things, well, we all have problems, don't we? But he's got a great heart. We need to stick with God's word. First and foremost, it's a tremendous blessing for us to be able to self-diagnose ourselves with the Word of God. To know that when I'm acting bad, it's not because I'm good. It's because something's wrong with my heart. i got to get it right. And even if I cry 59 times to the Lord, Lord, why am I like this? Why does this keep happening? The fact that I'm going to God looking for a solution, if that's the motivation, and not just to say, I'm going to cover all the bases, let me confess, but genuinely say, Lord, I want out of this. I don't want out of a marriage because I can't take the heat. I want out of myself. Not suicide. 
but death to the self, the carnal part. I need a transformation. I'm going to stick with my commitments and my covenant before God, before man, to do what I'm supposed to do. Because I'm not supposed to do opposite to what Christ wants me to do in any given situation. And therein lies the crux of the matter. My desire, once is right before God, my motivation is right, heaven comes down. Hallelujah, where I am. Everything changes. Now other people can see the light in me, the genuine light of Christ, and say, I can be like that too. You think it's possible? Well, you can tell them, I know it's possible because I'm living it. I was just in the same position as you are, thinking that I can never stop lusting. I can never stop being mean and angry. I can never stop gossiping. I can never stop stealing. I can never stop this and that. We may well be able to tell the person, God solved it all. I'm free by the blood of Jesus. But I want to tell you something. Not only did I need to trust Him, but I had to obey. You can too. Did you know you can obey? No. I mean, yes. I mean, no. I mean, I don't know. Because I, I know God said to obey, but I heard so much that people said, you can obey. That's why Christ obeyed the law for you. Well, let me tell you. The truth is from Genesis to Revelation. God will not obey what you need to obey. So what you've been hearing all along is a twist from the imposter, the devil. And you know what, my dear brother, sister? That's what I believe. We can say to someone else and tell them how God took me out of that delusion of walking in the light. Hallelujah. Walking in the light. Walking in the light. I've never been happier in my life because I know my conscience is clear. Hallelujah. you can too ears to hear eyes to see both are gifts from the Lord now what are we using it for that's the question is it for gossip is it for looking at things we should not look at or taking this blessing these blessings called the eyes and ears Saying, Lord, I may have used it for evil in the past, but now my members are absolutely surrendered to the Holy Spirit. The only thing I'll ever use these eyes for. Thank you, Lord, for giving me vision. So many don't have vision. Oh, Lord, they're so pure. Not because they don't have eyes, because if, even if they had eyes to see vision, they would not do what I've done with my eyes. Forgive me, Lord, no more. These eyes belong to Jesus. My ears... There are people who are deaf, Lord, and if they would have the hearing, Lord, they would not be listening to gossip like me or slander, but I've done it. Oh, forgive me, Lord. From now on, my eyes and ears are consecrated to you. My hands, my feet. I'm going to live the glorious life of honoring my God and using everything God has given me exactly for the purpose, perfectly. That he designed it for. What a freedom. That's a that's a emancipation from the worst jail anybody can go to. The prison of carnality.
Blessed be the name of the Lord. God quickens us. The Holy Spirit is written in the book of Romans. He quickens our mortal bodies. All of a sudden, we begin to be energized to do the right thing by God. Like a well-disciplined soldier, standing at attention. Not even a blink. The entire uniform is perfectly groomed and prepared. Perfect balance. The wonderful kinesthetic awareness. The absolute loyalty to the superiors. The honor of being able to hold oneself in a dignified way having complete control over the body. How is it that a human being who doesn't even know the Lord can go to an army? And not whine and complain because they can't play video games at 2 o'clock in the morning. Throw a fit because they can't drink Pepsi six times a day. Get all bent out of shape because they can't go to the movies every Friday night. Missing those TV dinners. Missing this and that and the other thing. You mean you're not a Christian and you have your whole body in check like that? How much more for the believer? It really exposes the lie of the devil, doesn't it? That so many believers are, quote-unquote, struggling. The struggle is because there's no surrender. Once the surrender is there, the struggle disappears. Hallelujah. Because as a believer, we're not only called to stand at attention before our commander-in-chief, the living God, to do his perfect will, Externally, or even mentally, emotionally, for a particular task. But internally, the heart becomes absolutely sanctified. Every discipline flows from the heart that has been sanctified. And so, the will of God is done, not just some thing to please my superior in some army situation. Or some job. Or some particular hobby or pursuit. A person disciplines himself or herself to participate in that event. But now, because the heart is pure in longing to please God, I can say with great courage, great glory, I believe somebody's unmuted. You can just check your lines and mute it, please. I can see that through God I can say Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What things? Obey every single commandment of God in every particular area of my life. I can do all things 
through Christ who strengthens me. As we're in the Proverbs, as we close, who is Christ? He's the wisdom of God, among other things. He's the sanctification of God, the righteousness of God, He's the redemption of God, and the wisdom of God. May we aspire today. As mentioned the other day, making that list of what things need to be worked on to be well-pleasing to my Father in Heaven and getting to work, having the Word in, day in and day out, praying with all my might, with a passion, with tears, say, Lord, I've got to change in this area. I don't care if everybody thinks I'm great. But Lord, when I come to your word, I see in the mirror exactly what should not be. And I'm looking to you, Lord, and I thank you that through you, all things are possible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm called to glorify God with my life, with my body, with my spirit. And I'm going to do it, Lord. Hallelujah. This is my joy. It's my thrill to please you. And Lord, I know your heart will be glad because a wise son makes his father's heart glad. And Lord, as a son or daughter of the Most High God, I want love to abound in the fruit of the Spirit. So I'm going to get to work with the Proverbs. I don't want to leave even one part of one verse out, Lord. I want to mull over that, meditate, chew on it, and see if there's something in it for me. God always has something for me. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad this morning that we've come to the point of saying, Lord, I know you have something for me every time I come to your word in every precious portion of every verse. And I thank you, God, that I'm growing into a healthy child of God, maturing into a healthy man and woman of God, a well-disciplined, loyal, able soldier of Christ. Till the kingdom of Christ comes down and every other kingdom is shut down. Hallelujah. This will do. So help us, God, shall we pray. Thank you, Abba Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your truth. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord, for showing us, Lord, how we can work, cooperating with you, Lord. It's not of our works that we're saved or justified or sanctified or will be glorified. But, Lord, it's through our cooperation that your work does not get hindered. And for that, we must do our part. Blessed be the rock. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Guide us with your wisdom, Lord, this day. What to speak, what not to speak, when to speak, when not to speak. That our Father may see that we're wise children, even us as children by our conduct. To make your heart glad, O oh Father. In Jesus' name we thank you and praise you. Thank you for lifting us out of our burdens. Every time we go through the valley of the shadow of death, O oh Lord, I thank you for your love that comes down powerfully. Your Holy Spirit, Lord, 
to rescue us from despair, to heal us. Continue, Lord, to heal your people, not only those who are physically sick and hurting, Lord, and emotionally been wounded, but Lord, those who are sick because they're backslidden. Oh, Father, heal them till we all come to the unity of the faith that one body, every part, every joint, fit perfectly together to one mature man in Christ. Thank you, Father. Blessed be the rock, in Jesus' name. Amen.